Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode number 133, How to Become a Better Mom. All right, before you freak out (laughs) with me telling you all kinds of things that you need to do, here's a hint. You already have what it takes to become a better mom. Our days are so busy that we sometimes move from one day to the next without really any consideration of who we are, how we behave, we're so focused on how the children behave, and what kind of mother we are. I think it's good to stop and think and pray about the woman we are, how we interact with our children, and how we can become a better mom, a better spouse, a better woman. If you're like most moms, there are probably some habits or attitudes that need to be tweaked. So the first thing to consider is you be you, not Susie Q. This is the first thing to remember, is that God gave these children to you. If he wanted your kids to have Susie Q, who spends all day playing dress up with her children, then he would have given them to Susie Q, but he didn't. He gave these children to you So don't try to be Susie Q. Think for a moment about what you're good at. What do you love to do? I think sometimes we get so busy that we forget who we are. And it's no one else's fault but our own. So stop and think. What do I love to do? Then do that. For me, it was to teach. Our children all started school, but when our oldest was going into fourth grade and we had three children behind her in the lower grades, I realized God was calling me to homeschool. I loved guiding the children through their elementary years while giving them the tools to learn. I loved it. It inflamed my motherhood from the very core of my being. I also taught them to sew, which I also love to do. And even the boys made their very own stuffed bear. I felt a pride, a good holy pride, when they learned to read or solve an algebraic equation for the first time. I loved opening their minds to great literature, something that I wasn't exposed to growing up. It was the way I was called to spend time with my children. I did not play with my children during the day. That just wasn't my thing. If you love to read, read to them. If you love to draw or paint or make crafts, then do that with your children. If you are a woman who loves to play, then have a daily game with them. Bring your passions, the things that make you happy, to your motherhood, 
It will bring a new dimension to the day that you won't trade for anything. The second thing is don't get down on yourself. As you evaluate what kind of mother you are, be very, very careful. Don't let the knowledge that you're not perfect cloud your vision of all the great things you do. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. It was a very dark day in my life when I realized I wasn't a perfect mom. But it was the best day in my life. Because then I had an opportunity to see where I could improve. Don't let the that's just who I am get in the way of challenging yourself to be a better woman, a better wife, and a better mom. So when the six of seven children were very young, I was not patient. And I used to proclaim boldly, I'm just not a patient person. End of discussion. Until God called me to homeschool. And then I really had to learn to be a patient person. Don't you love it? How God takes us on a journey to teach us things. We think we're doing it for our children when in fact, it's really about doing it for us. Becoming better. That sharpened tool. Truth be told, I'm much happier being a patient person. Even though it was hard to strengthen that habit, that virtue. So when you look at yourself and your attitudes and your interactions, look for opportunities to improve. We always think that when everything else improves, we'll become happier. Actually, when we focus on improving our own lives, our own virtue, that's when we interact with our husband and with our children, and that's when things begin to change. When we have the humility to acknowledge that we aren't perfect, we have the opportunity for growth. I always thought that some people were just better. They were just kinder or more thoughtful. Maybe they just had a deeper faith or were patient or more creative or fill in the blank than I was. But they were just working harder to deepen their virtues and gifts. It's easy to say, I can't. It can be challenging to say, I'm going to try. When I was a young mom, I went to a funeral of an older woman and her adult children, she had many children, they got up and spoke about her. But the things they said just seemed so detached from a loving, warm relationship. None of them really had any kind of anecdotes or stories or expressed this deep connection that I really wanted to have with my children. And so it made me think, what will my children say about me when I die? Now, I know that sounds a little depressing, but seriously, let's consider, how do we want our children to remember us? And when I asked myself this question, it caused me to think twice about some of the ways I was showing up. So here are a few places to just kind of take a reality check on how we show up for our children. First is our verbal interaction. What tone of voice do we use? Are we impatient? Are we demeaning? Critical? Disrespectful? Or always crabby? Instead, let's try to be thoughtful and respectful and patient and tender and supportive, encouraging, and quick 
with positive praise. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important to correct. That's our job. Our job is to teach. We teach through correction. But we also teach through loving encouragement. Make sure your corrections are balanced. Five to one positive comments for each correction. Some days, you're going to really have to look hard for something positive to say. But that's okay. Your child is depending on you to affirm him or her, even when he has a day when he's made some not-so-great choices. Second place to look is our physical interaction. Do we show a lot of affection with our children? Do we give kisses and hugs in the morning, at nap time, bedtime, or whenever we leave the home? Are there quick hugs throughout the day? Do we hold their hand and snuggle on the couch? Maybe not so much with the teenagers, but that close hug with our teenager is something that they really need. They may not act like it, but they do need it. Physical touch is so important for connection. Many people wonder why their teenagers turn to other teenagers for physical affection. Maybe it's because they're not getting it enough from home. There's such a beautiful emphasis on the power of touch when we have this newborn. Well, it doesn't go away as the child grows up. While we aren't going to swaddle and carry our 5- or 15-year-old, they still need the touch of their mom just as much. Eye contact. Do we have eye contact with our children, or are we so busy managing the house or looking at our phone that we don't really even look at our children and husband? I mean, really look at them. Out of 1,000, 440 minutes in a day, how often do we really look into their eyes? When babies are born, we get a major slap of dopamine when we hold them and gaze into their eyes. Children, by nature, are constantly trying to look us in the eyes. They intuitively know they need the connection. We're just busying ourselves too much to stop and look. If we added up all the time we spent looking at our phone, how would that compare to the amount of time we've looked into our children's eyes today? Go into settings on your phone and click screen time. How much time have you spent today looking at your phone? The next place to consider is do we spend time talking with God? All right, I'm 60 years old and I have yet to meet a happy older mother who didn't have God at her center. Mothering is hard. Do we spend at least 15 minutes a day, at the minimum, talking it over with God? Make the time. Don't wait for the time to magically appear and say, okay, now I can do my prayer. Prayer must come first. It's the place that we are centered. Now, our society has kind of co-opted prayer and talked about centering and meditation And that's all well and good, but what are we meditating on? If we're centering on ourselves and meditating on ourselves, 
we leave the most important component of strength out of it, which is God. Find a quiet place. And don't use the excuse that you have children and there's not a quiet place anywhere ever. There is. You just have to make it or find it or go to the chapel for a few minutes. Or maybe just do your prayer right there with your children at your feet playing. Sit with our Lord. Ask him to give you the virtues and gifts you need to be a better mother. Thank him for your husband and your children and all the ways they brighten your life. It's a funny thing, isn't it? We ask God for children and then we forget to thank him every day for those beautiful children. We weren't born knowing how to be a mother. None of us were. We'll make mistakes. But as with anything... If we make firm resolutions and work on specific areas, we will fine-tune our motherhood. So make a resolution that each night you'll spend just a couple of minutes thinking about the next day and what you'll do to become a better mom and ask God to help you remember it the next day. The more invested you are in nurturing your relationships with your children, the happier you'll be. Okay, listen, I've developed a coaching membership program called Reimagine Motherhood. I don't think there's anything else like it out there where I help women, no matter where they are in their motherhood and their marriage, I help them make it better. Remember earlier in this episode when I said I love to teach? Well, that's what I do in Reimagine Motherhood. And now... Not only do I teach, but I also coach. I help women discover their goals, what they really, really want, and how to achieve them. I also help them see what's holding them back and give them strategies to overcome the things that are holding them back. Each month, we have a theme, and once a week for three weeks, I deliver a workshop where I teach on that theme. I also answer questions and, of course, I coach. And then the fourth week of the month, we consider implementation week, where people take what they've learned throughout the month and really focus on applying it. I've gotten such great feedback from so many women who are saying this has really helped them focus on themselves in a good way, Because they know if they're focusing on how they're showing up, they're going to have happier marriages. They're going to love parenting more. And they're going to have a bright and cheerful home that everybody wants. So go to JanetQuinlan.com forward slash waitlist. Waitlist is all one word. Sign up for when we open enrollment again to reimagine motherhood. Again, JanetQuinlan.com forward slash waitlist waitlist. Take care. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at findingjoyinmotherhood.com.